0: Welcome to Gospel Central, where we help ministry-minded Christians think through Jesus' (coughs) life, death, and resurrection. We're here to discuss how this gospel is at the very heart of the Christian faith and how it empowers all of ministry and life. So, we are your hosts. I'm Simon. And I'm Ed. And we're glad to have you listening in as we consider all kinds of topics, practical and theological, through the lens of the gospel. So, Ed, here we are today, and today we have a guest with us. Who do we have? We. Not ever
1: have a guest, we have a brother we have known for a long time.
0: We have Aiden Spencer. So Aiden is uh, one of the elders at RHC. Uh, Aiden, I think you joined RHC in like early 2009. RHC was probably a month or two. Pioneer old. generation. <laughs> pioneer generation, that's right. Um, and uh, got involved very quickly. Uh, got involved in worship ministry. And if, with your wife, Nikki, actually led the music and worship ministry at RHC since 2009 or something. So, man, you're into your second decade already. Uh, Amazing. Um, Long-suffering people. Yeah, was one of the first elders, first batch of elders appointed at RHC, so Mm -hmm. longest-serving elder as well, Mm -hmm. uh, and a true hero and legend at RHC. Mm -hmm. So, Aiden, welcome to Gospel Central.
2: Yeah, thanks. Wonderful to be here, guys. Thanks for this privilege of being able to share and speak, yeah.
0: So glad um, that you're able to join us. So, hey, why don't you tell us, before we dive in, uh, our topic today is worship. We're gonna be talking about ministry, Mm. worship services. But before we do that, tell us a bit about yourself, your family, um, what you do vocation-wise, and your involvement at RHC.
2: Sure. Uh, As you said, I've been at RHC almost from the beginning, 2009, Mm. I think it was, March, Mm. somewhere there. So Mm. almost 11 years now. It's been a long time, Mm. it's been wonderful. my my family that is my wife and two kids Jordan and Tyra who are 12 and 13 um have been in singapore for about 16 years now so we we joined rhc about 4 years into our, our time here at at uh, mm. in singapore mm. and uh it wasn't long after we were in rhc that uh, yeah we took the helm of the worship ministry the music ministry which entails both sound av and uh yeah and the music itself Right. And so my wife and I have been heading that up from, from almost the start. So it's been a, an incredible journey. Um, but, uh, yeah, let me just talk a little bit more about my family. At this point, um, my, my kids are in the middle school at the same school that I work. I'm actually a student welfare advisor. Mm-hmm. So I work with pastoral matters in an international school here in Singapore, uh, middle school in particular from grade six to eight, uh, focusing on discipline, counseling. Uh, all the kind of stuff that you do at church. Uh, so, um, yeah, and now it's just catered for uh, 11 to 14-year-olds. But is it
0: gospel-centered?
2: <laughs> I try my best. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that, that's my vocation. And uh, and along with that, I serve in the church in, in, as a ministry leader, but also as an elder, as a CG leader. Um, yeah, and really love the church and love to serve
0: uh, I sometimes describe um, you to people as like a rock at RHD, not the rock that is Jesus. <laughs> um, but just yeah. like a, a faithful servant who's just served so amazingly. So mm-hmm. maybe before we dive into music, tell us a little bit about your role as an elder, like just what that involves, how you how you serve.
2: <clears throat> yeah, uh, I became an elder, you'd probably know better, Simon, about two thousand 2010-ish?
0: Yeah, probably end of 2010.
2: End yeah. of 2010. So it's been a long time. I'm a... Uh, a, a lay elder so to speak so yeah I, I've got my regular day job but also eldering and um, the elder eldering has has taken on different forms over the years of course as the team's grown as the church has grown All as right. we've had to face some um, some difficult decisions about venues and of course just the life of a church of course um, and so I think you yeah, know being an elder has been an incredible journey Something I've found richly rewarding and especially being able to call such uh, incredible, um, uh, my fellow elders, brothers, you know, and walk alongside them for such uh, in close community as we lead the church. So, yeah, uh, I would say my journey as an elder has been a rich one.
0: Amazing. Well, it's been an, uh, amazing to serve with you for, for all these years. And right. I know I think for many of us that are at RHC who serve as elders, we know that. This brotherhood is was one of the, the mm-hmm. real blessings of, it's like you, you end right. up pouring out and serving so much into the church, but what you gain is a brotherhood of brothers who you are arm to arm with, which is really, really a joy. Yep. So, um, well, yeah, again, thanks for being on. We want to talk today primarily about worship, yep. which is a real passion of yours.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so I recall, you know, you've been involved in worship ministry for many years, mm-hmm. long before RHC. Mm-hmm. Um uh, so, would love to hear a little bit about your journey of being involved in worship ministry, as well as uh, how, yeah, the gospels helped you think through that. What kind of shape worship ministry? So, do mm. you want to tell us a bit about your history with, with worship ministry?
2: Sure. I I started playing guitar and singing probably in elementary school. I had a few lessons at that point, and it was only it was in high school that I met a friend who had taken up the guitar, and at that point, I hadn't played very much. But I thought, why not? Let me join him. Wasn't a Christian at the time, so mm-hmm. we were playing a lot of Nirvana and uh, Pearl Jam
0: songs. Whoa. was that yeah.
2: the 90s? That was the 90s, Nirvana. the, the grunge era. Like teen Anything
0: wrong with saying Nirvana as a Christian?
2: <laughs> 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 we won't go there right now. Um, I got saved in university and uh, joined a, a local church, and that's where I, I got plugged into the music team and mm-hmm. started to explore what worship through music looked like. I was uh, playing bass on that team and mm-hmm. uh, I was just there to learn. I wasn't leading, but I was able to learn from gifted musicians and gifted leaders and and wonderful Christians. Um, and then it wasn't long after that, that I left South Africa where I come from originally mm-hmm. to move to Taiwan. And I joined a local church in Taichung mm. and, uh, I wanted to join the music team as well, but they had a very strict uh, process as to how you could join the music team, uh, just being an outsider and not always trusting Westerners who came into that community. Um, you had to jump through a lot of hoops before they trusted you enough, and eventually I managed to get on that team okay. and, and started leading worship. And uh, It was a wonderful opportunity to, to lead in Chinese and English because that was really the only criteria by which they would lead, uh, let you lead. Mm. And at the same time, grow in just my understanding of of music and worship and different cultures and what what worship could look like in different cultures. So right. I worked closely with the leader of that team. And then after that, uh, my wife and I moved to Singapore to help with a church plant, and we were put uh, we actually put up our hands to to be a, uh, leading the music team that we were a part mm. of, mm. and that was our first opportunity to lead a music team in a, a church. Mm. That was. Fairly small, probably had a, a team of about 20 people or so. Um, and uh, I guess that's where I, I learned uh, many of the ins and outs of how to manage a team and how to manage people and um, and also, you know, to think through uh, the theology of worship. And uh, after those four years, they came to RHC. So so that that's a, a summary of the journey. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned also just about how the gospel had, had right, shaped yeah. my own understanding of of worship. And, uh, I think it, it had a profound effect, especially in coming mm-hmm. to RHC where, where the gospel is, is emphasized and certainly the centrality of the gospel. Um, I started to think about how the gospel shapes our worship. Surely if the gospel shapes us, the gospel should shape our worship as right. well, especially mm-hmm. if we think of scriptures like Romans 12 verse one, you know, which talks about us being in view of the mercy of God in view of this incredible gospel that that um, we have received, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices before God. so all of our life is becoming a it's become a worship a form of worship in response to God right and so god is is shaping us by the gospel and I think a few practical aspects that I took from that discovery of of the centrality mm-hmm. of the gospel was mm-hmm. that that i I found that music wasn't what leads us into God's presence, which okay. really was a, um, <laughs> uh, a strong emphasis from in the, uh, some of the churches I had come from in the past. And uh, I discovered uh, quite quickly that music doesn't have the power to bring us to God, but Jesus does. Jesus <laughs> okay. is our, our mediator, and um, it's through His single sacrifice that we are able to access God. And uh, that that has many wonderful implications. For example... Okay. Um, our access is not. Our access to God is not based on our performance. We don't mm-hmm. have to be subject to the fickleness of our emotions, like whether we got it right, wow. whether we're good enough to to bring God's presence down right. or with us. Um, and uh, our offerings are made acceptable because Jesus is, uh, has made them acceptable through his great offering.
0: That's such a great um, anecdote that you share because I think it kind of gets to the issue of, what we mean when we talk about gospel centrality, mm. which is not that uh, gospel centrality is not to say that people that aren't gospel centered deny the gospel, but it's really to think about how function how that um, functionally works out mm. in your ministry practice, right? Because you were sharing earlier how uh, there's kind of a bit of a shift, and what really brings you to Jesus is a music during that time you would never have said theologically oh music is what brings us to Jesus of course you know Jesus does that but actually even though we kind of know that in our minds practically what's actually driving how we functionally think about a great worship experience is actually more the music Mm -hmm. and I guess what we mean there by gospel centrality is thinking through just as you articulated so how Jesus' death and resurrection actually functionally applies to Mm -hmm. all of our different Mm -hmm. areas of life and ministry so that's a really really great example hmm yeah okay
1: and and just want to piggyback on that a little bit because i think aiden just mentioned about um how worship is all of life Mm. um so i'm sure you're familiar with some uh, uh some folks who will say that that's why you shouldn't call what we do in church worship yeah yeah, they'll prefer to use things like "Should we sing? Should we praise God now?" Yeah. For example, right. But would you, uh, how would you respond to that? And, yeah. and maybe that can segue into talking about what what worship is. What worship is? Yeah, it,
2: it does come down to what our definition of worship is, right? I think it, it's semantics at the end of the day. Um, where the worship is just your singing time in a <laughs> worship service, which is encapsulated in the worship of life. <laughs> you know, it, it's all a form of worship. So, right. so I, I, I'm okay. I can still hold it loosely as long as we understand those categories. Right. That the worship of, of all of life is is the more biblical perspective and um, definition, should I say, yeah. of worship. Um, which I'm happy to share more about. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that's how i want to approach that. But it's probably more helpful to define mus- the worship, the musical element as music and singing and the worship service as a service <laughs> a, a, as opposed to worship, which can create some confusion for, for those who don't have those categories.
0: Great. So do you want to maybe talk a little bit about what, you know, worship through singing um Is how you think about that in a worship service, you know, some of the things that have been in your mind as you've tried to shape this ministry at RHC over the years?
2: Sure, sure. Um, Yeah, worship, worship in singing, Uh, it, it, it certainly is a means of grace that God has provided for us to worship Him, one of the many rich tools and um, benefits that he has given us as his people to encounter him to engage with him um, and so i see I see music as one of those means you mm. know right. um, it, it it doesn't have an inherent spiritual power necessarily in itself but it is a powerful medium right. um, and that it can invoke uh, emotions and it can aid memorization and mm-hmm. and help us to to feel you know something of the truth. Uh, that we are proclaiming, and right. so I uh, see the the power of music f- to serve that purpose, but at the same time, music can be a manipulative tool and mm-hmm. uh, it needs mm-hmm. to be, it needs to be used with caution and understood you know as, as in respect to the power and the manipula- manipulation it can have on mm-hmm. on other people. Um, you know to go back to the definition of of worship, I would say that right. uh, Eugene Peterson, in fact, gives a great commentary on this. He's a, a writer of, of many worship books. Mm. And he says, worship is a strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. And he's simply saying that a worship mm. of God is essentially God-centeredness instead mm. of self-centeredness. Right, which I think we all struggle with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is sin's preoccupation, right? Uh-huh. The, the preoccupation with myself. right, And so God becomes centered uh, and He is the focus of our delight and He is, he is joyfully acknowledged as King, Creator, mm. as Redeemer. And, and that really is the center of, of worship and the musical element of any service gives us a wonderful opportunity to... Mm. To interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and focus all our attention upon God in His multiple facets of glory mm. and worship Him. In other yeah. words, ascribe value and worth and honor toward Him, for He is worthy of that honor, and and that that mm. is worship. And only Christians mm. can truly worship, by definition, mm-hmm. um, because worship is founded upon being God-centered you right, know it's centered right. on God and any other worship would be a form of false worship and so music again as I said earlier is a is a wonderful tool for us to to do just that
1: yeah. I really think that um what you shared about Eugene peters is it Eugene Peterson yep yep his definition was really helpful right Is and in, mm-hmm. in, in um in some sense, I feel that it's actually really okay to even call what we do in services worship, because we want to emphasize that sense of awe, right? That yes. we want to bring to bring to God. Yeah. Right? I think, um, and it reminds us of what we're actually doing here. what is actually the, uh, who is what is what is most important? What's the what's the what's the center of our attention and focus? Absolutely. Right. I, I think that that's really such a wonderful reminder from you. Um, but you mentioned just now, I think uh, also about the dangers of. Manipulation of music. Mm-hmm. I was wondering whether we can double-click on that a little bit.
2: <laughs> sure. I think, as, as we all know, music can make us feel all kinds of things. You know, if you're down in the dumps, you listen to a, a lively, energetic song, it can really pick up your mood. Um, and music also has the ability to create a nostalgic effect, you know, take you back into the past when you associated that music with certain feelings and brings mm-hmm. those emotions back. So there's no doubt as to the power of music. you know playing a minor key versus a major key and just the effect, mm-hmm. even if you know nothing about the theory of music, <laughs> there, there's still an effect that music can have. And so I'd as a as a worship leader mm-hmm. to use that term. Mm. you know we need to be wary of manipulating emotions and i'd say that that's probably mm. the um um the biggest danger because it's an emotional medium we can easily manipulate we can hype up um if you play you know in a particular way and play well enough uh, mm. so you can almost um decouple the affection from the source of that affection which right. should ultimately be truth mm. and we we would love Ideally, for any affection toward God to be grounded upon truth about right. God and who He is. Um, who he is. Otherwise, mm. we're in this this, um, nebulous. this this nebulous state of emotionalism, as as opposed to really uh, worshiping God in response to who He is and who He said He is and what He's done for us. And so, as as a worship leader, our, our task is is to create a context and environment to in which we are raising faithful feelings, to right. use that term, faithful feelings. That means f- feelings full of faith towards God, mm. so that people may, may be able to respond to God in in a way that is faithful and mm. and mm. full of faith, should I say? And um, and that means it's it, to use another analogy. It's kind of like a worship leader leading the sheep to the the found uh, to the stream. I can't make you drink. I can't force you to drink, but I certainly can lead you there. Right. And right. I and I can say right. that this is good for you. I can present it to you mm. in a way that might whet your appetite, or at least create an appetite, should I say? <laughs> right. And so uh, <laughs> and so that's our task. And if I am now forcing you to drink, obviously I've, I've crossed that line, and I'm starting to manipulate um, the the purpose of of this means of grace that God has given us.
0: Great. Okay. So one of the things that we've taken some time to think about at RHC over the years is our worship services in general. So do you want to maybe tell us a little bit how you think about worship services in general and kind of our goal? And then from there, we can maybe drill in a little bit more to think about, you know, how do we think about structuring that? And how do we think, what role does music play? How do we, how do you choose songs? What kinds of songs do we do we want to sing?
2: great questions yeah uh, the goals of worship services uh, there are so many different goals i think uh, purposes mm-hmm. that a worship service can fi- can, can serve
3: mm-hmm.
2: i'd say what what I s the way i'd like to categorize it is edification and evangelism mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trying to understand um how we can um how we can see both those purposes realized in our worship services. Of course, that is a continuum, and sometimes certain churches swing from side to side.
3: Right.
2: Um, but, uh, uh, but central to both of them is the gospel.
3: You know, right. We evangelize
2: mm-hmm. through the gospel. We edify through the gospel as right. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we come to a worship service, we,
3: mm-hmm.
2: we are, in a sense, receiving from God Right. The mean, through the means of grace that he has provided. Therefore, we are coming to be shaped, right. coming mm. to be molded by God, mm. God as the actor mm. through the, the vessels that he has chosen, through the, the ministry of the word, through the singing, whatever it is. Right. But at the mm. same time, we bring an offering of sorts. Yes. We are coming mm. to present ourselves to God and say, God, I am yours. Right. So, So there is a, a tension of us receiving and giving. At the same time and I think as uh, I would love for our worship services to um, to be full of people with that that mindset of I'm not just coming to receive necessarily but yeah, I'm coming yeah. to give and, and even my my receiving is not of a consumerist nature but it's a I'm receiving of God to be made into the image of his son right to be more glorified you know just mm. that God is glorified and mm. I'm uh, bettered in that sense so mm. I um I, I would love for that, you know, to, to really be the heart of of our worship times. I really love the way that
0: you described it, that, that, you know, primarily God's the actor. He calls us. He invites us. He gathers the church. Right. He's the prime one who's moving through his yep. gospel. He speaks us through his word. We sing his word, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact that God's the prime mover and he's the one who's primarily shaping and molding us doesn't make us simply just passive. Mm-hmm. Um, we do come and we are engaging we are pouring out our hearts and we're giving them our worship we're ascribing the worth to him we're yep. coming with faith mm. we're building up the body um mm. and i guess you know if you look at churches across the different spectrum i guess sometimes some churches can maybe overemphasize emphasize the part that we contribute where it's all about us and maybe okay. worship services can feel mm. a bit like a work mm-hmm. where we're trying to gr- grab god's attention by our earnest, heartfelt singing, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. I think that's what you were getting to earlier about the only yeah. access to God is, is through the gospel. That's
1: right. Um, mm. So
0: we really want to get those right. Seeing it's primarily God who's shaping and moving, but not in a way that minimizes our response. Mm. He, God's blessed by our praises and oh. our love oh. for Him and our, our adoration. And we really want to stir that up in, our, in, in the congregation.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I really like what you said. I think the verse that comes to my mind is actually in First John, right? <clears throat> where it says that we love because He first loved us. Mm. Mm. You know, and I think that's mm-hmm. a, that 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 great encapsulates what we're talking about because mm-hmm. it's actually really in receiving God's love, yep. yes, because He first loved us, but it doesn't just end there, because it actually results in us actually loving Him
3: mm-hmm.
1: back, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's actually what really is in essence what we're trying to do in worship services.
2: That's right, and in a sense, that's the definition of worship. It's us having received from God and our response. Worship is a response to right. God, both inwardly and outwardly, and inward mm. devotion and reverence toward God and outwardly in our expressions of praise and and, and living a life that honors and-
0: him. Beautiful. Mm. Beautiful. So um, when we think at RHC about like structuring a worship service just more generally before we just think about music. Mm-hmm. Um, do you wanna share a little bit of how we how we think about that as a church?
2: Sure. Yes, I I so structure is really important. How mm. we structure our services uh, communicates a message. Right. And um, shows us, it shows the church what we deem to be important,
3: mm-hmm.
2: what um, we feel is biblical and therefore acceptable worship. And, uh, and this brings us into the thinking about liturgy and, and an order of service and what that might look like. And um, if you do a study of the liturgies of old, you see that they, they really aim to communicate one thing. All right, And it's the gospel and okay. often the structure of old liturgies would be a representation of the gospel, a reenactment right. of the gospel um, in that every element of the service was intentional in order to reenact the gospel story. It wasn't based just upon the personal preferences of the designer, but it was to communicate the truths of Scripture touch the heart and mind with the implication of those truths mm-hmm. and equip the believer to go out and live faithfully as witnesses of those truths. Wow! And that, that really is the task that we have when when we're planning services. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not just thinking about it in evangelistic terms, uh, you know, in regards to the gospel, as I said earlier, but right. also in terms of edification.
3: Mm-hmm. You see,
2: if the gospel caused our worship, then it right. should be the natural course of our worship and, and so, if, if we look at our, our services, even at RHC, we, we've tried to reenact the gospel through the structure, through the mm. elements themselves. Mm. We'd start with a call to worship. Think of this as the beginning of the gospel story. Mm. God calling to us, God inviting us, saying, mm. come come to me, those who are weary, come to mm. me and drink, right. come and receive. Right. Um, and so, we, we start with a call to worship, inviting people to come and worship God, mm-hmm. and shortly... And we would begin with adoration and exploring this, the wonder of who God is. And then in light of His holiness and majesty, mm-hmm. we realize our depravity. Mm-hmm. We realize our, our, how fallen we are, how short we are of His right. glory, which leads naturally to the elements of confession and repentance mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. assurance. And and mm-hmm. this, these are our prayers that we would include in our service for us to mm. confess of our sins, but also mm. to receive assurance that our sins are forgiven through right. the word of God, not through mm. the pastor or the, the elder who is is right. assuring us. And, um, and then as a result, we would want to express thanksgiving, and we nice. do that in the form of singing usually. Mm. Yeah. We do it in the form of prayers. Mm. Um, our pastoral prayer would come after our time of singing, another element which is not just thanksgiving for what God has done for us, um, but also a petition that mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. now as those who have been saved, confessed of their sins and found a, uh, and repented and found assurance in Christ, we can now petition God and ask God to be working on our right. behalf. And that's right. what our pastoral prayers seek to do. Um, and after our, our pastoral prayers, the next element, which is, uh, you know, um, is across the board is the sermon. And the sermon really mm. is the instruction for Christian living. Mm. It's, now mm. that you're a believer, now that you've, you've entered into the kingdom of God, this is how you should live your your mm. life as a believer. And the instruction that comes through the sermon is, is one way to do that. And then uh, we kind of bring our services to a close uh, at times with communion, right. which again is a gospel nugget. The gospel right. kind of reenacted in a different form mm-hmm. symbolically right. for us to remember Christ and our, our union as God's people. Mm. And then finally a benediction, which would be our, our blessing. Of the blessing that is is spoken over us by the the elder, the pastor of the service, and um, it's usually associated or linked together with a charge, you know, and mm-hmm. this is to go forth, to live out in the blessing that we have through the gospel mm-hmm. in Christ, and uh, yeah, and 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 live out uh, to the glory of God, and that really is the the gospel structure that we we try to instill in our
0: services at RHC. So, in one sense, it sounds like the gospel itself is shaping the whole service but at the same time throughout the service you almost have like a number of mini gospel cycles that are happening right yeah. like call the confession <clears> and assurance <throat> you, you're being assured then there's probably some you know confession sin and christ being preached in the sermon hopefully mm. it's probably happening in communion as well so there are kind of lots of mini cycles mm. so there's like a macro kind of structure of the service, but yep. lots of mini cycles too. So the, the gospel is being sung and in, in the songs that we sing Absolutely. it's kind of coming through through everything.
2: You're right. Absolutely. Sung, preached, prayed. The gospel is, is really central mm. to
0: that broader so gospel. Maybe we can think a little bit about songs in particular. Mm. Um, so, man, songs. There mm. are thousands of them. Yep. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I mean, <laughs> how do we pick songs? Like, you know, mm. both in terms of You know, style, do you just randomly pick them on a Sunday? What kind of songs should, are good for congregation singing? Tell us.
2: (laughs) Yeah, those are good questions (laughs) and I hear that question quite often. What are some good songs? And um, we're, as as musicians, as uh, worship leaders, we're constantly on the lookout for good songs. there are thousands of songs, as you said. There are songs that, that should be used in, in most churches around the world, I'd say. There's songs that, that probably um, would be helpful for, for certain th- themes. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's songs that are good for just Christian listening, you know, if you're in your car or walking down the road um that can be very encouraging and then there's songs that you probably should never use and and the reason for that <laughs> in is, any circumstances yeah, under any
3: circumstances
2: <laughs> unless you're part of a cult maybe <laughs> or a, yeah, they are not very christian but uh, so so there is a wider range it's good to to categorize songs into those particular groups um i'm as as a listener to music i'm always listening for songs that will strengthen the church so um the one category or sorry one criterion would be are they congregational okay, are they nice. simple enough catchy enough for a, a congregation to get mm. and by that i mean they're not too syncopated as in words or not or on the beat um mm-hmm. the, the 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 range of the songs it's not going from a very low note to a very high note um which could uh also yeah. lead to some difficulty in singing uh, so, and and then just there's a good marriage between the music and the lyrics themselves, you know, right. um, that, that's really important. Right. Um, theology, of course, you know, we need to be thinking about what the words say. Mm-hmm. In my mind, if a song has a vague lyric, uh, I generally wouldn't use it because mm-hmm. of the possibility of someone misbelieving or, or you know, or misunderstanding a certain uh, a doctrine about God and who he is. Right. And um, there are many examples of songs like that. Uh, I don't necessarily want to give you examples here because I don't want to cut them from your repertoire if you're listening to this. It will be the cause of that. Uh, but, you know, it's good for us to be in discussion with one another about songs mm. and, and, and to make sure that the songs that are being sung are saying something substantive about God. But within that, there are so many tensions, you know, which, which comes down to really song choice for a Sunday. We want to be singing songs that that are revelatory and responsive. Now, not all songs have both those aspects. When I say that, revelation would be songs that tell us a lot about God, who He is. They Mm -hmm. explain His love, His His grace, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But there's no real response. There's no opportunity for us to just say, praise you, God. I love you in response to your love. Hallelujah. Um, And so... If songs don't have both of those aspects, we would want to try and weave those into our song set, um, that we have stronger revelationary type songs, but also responses for us, that we can respond um, to to this revelation that we have received.
0: So I guess the challenge would be like, if you end up singing songs that are all revelation all the time, but don't have response, it could maybe feel more like a Sunday school class where you're just getting taught content or just rehearsing truths. Mm-hmm. but not actually able to engage your heart as much sure. or, or like direct your affections to God, which I think yep. is a, a bigger part of singing. Mm-hmm. That we're actually it's true. like teaching ourselves to to express our love and 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 do that. But if all your songs are revelatory or you begin singing songs, mm-hmm. sorry, are um responsive, yep. but you haven't begun by actually looking at content, then mm-hmm. there's no real like gospel grounds on which to really praise God. So that's why you you want that mix. Absolutely. That's
2: exactly how I'm thinking about it. And some songs uh, have both of those aspects in them, Mm -hmm. and and they're just beautiful songs and they should be sung regularly. Um, I think if you just have the revelation, even mind-orientated, heady-type songs, to use another phrase, um, we we could run the risk of of our time of music and singing being quite dry and Mm. academic and cerebral, Mm. you know, intellectual. And lacking some of that emotional response that I was talking about, uh, I think you know, if, if as you know, in terms of being a mature Christian, I think you'd be able. to A mature Christian should be able to find the truth in that and affect their own soul through the truth right. that they sing. But that's not always the case for every believer. Mm. So it, it's nice to to be able to give the opportunity for people to respond with songs that that maybe aren't as um, as is richly theological and more responsive in that sense. Okay.
1: So what's Mm -hmm. your view about saying I love you Jesus 10 times during during the service? Well,
2: um, I think the angels in heaven never stop singing, holy, "Holy, holy, holy, are you Lord." So repetition is not necessarily the biggest issue.
0: <laughs> Good answer, and you quoted the Bible. Yeah, i yeah, yeah. wow, yes. on, you that? Wow. Okay.
2: But you know, I would, I would hope That's the angels are standing before God on the throne in that moment, right? So their revelation is almost unceasing <laughs> there. I just re- and here down on earth, I love you ten times. We may start to like lose <laughs> the, the the depth of His love after a while. So mm. um, I'd say there, there's certainly a limit to how much we should be repeating,
1: mm. um, and yeah. So yeah, I'd say we need to use that sparingly. And can I pick your brain on this as well? Because I think when you started with saying that it's the song congregational, I know you talked about the musical and the theological qualities. Yeah. But um, how how do you think about whether the song actually employs the pronouns like I or mm. uh, me uh, or versus our? Right. Yeah. How do yep. you take that into consideration? I do.
2: I do. So going back to the tensions, I think it's a tension of corporate versus individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a time and a place for us to be individual in our response to God, using mm. more of the first person pronouns, mm. and then and then more corporate in our responses. Some songs do that very well. They, right. in fact, you know, they break some of the English rules and include both the first person and the third person. Even "Crowning mm. with Many Crowns" has versions of has. Aspects which are uh, very individual Individual, at the same time, it's also corporate. Mm, So So beautiful. It is. And so I would err on the side of being more corporate than Mm. than individual because we're in a corporate gathering. And uh, part of what we do on a Sunday is a shadow of what we will do in eternity as God's people before God. So I would lean more towards the corporate aspect. And um in our singing and so we's and ours are often substituted for um, your eyes and knees um, but I would I, I certainly wouldn't completely remove first person songs from from our repertoire. Um, but again it's just another tension to be thinking about uh, also our contemporary and historical songs as well mm. historical songs would help us to being hymns of of yeah. old would help us to realize that that there are those who have gone before us, who have fought uh, many battles um, for the Christian faith, and uh, we are aligned with them, and we are walking with them in this journey of faith, right? And at the same time, we want to be contemporary, to be uh, relevant to the people of this age that the music styles are actually engaging with people.
0: Tell us um, a little bit about how you think about hymns and newer songs.
2: Yeah, I... I personally love hymns. I love newer songs. Uh, I love all kinds of songs. I really love new hymns as well. So, you know, to put those both together, um, I would find that there are so many hymns out there. Uh, I'm always looking for those that have stood the test of time. You know, they have just worked well for hundreds of years, and want to employ them in in, in singing in our in our church. Uh, often, it it means taking a fresh look at the song and how can we. How can we stylize it that would be most suitable to our congregation? Right, mm. um, and and even just simplified and allow the words to do their work because the lyrics are often penned so mm. so beautifully. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, contemporary songs, yeah. There's so many different songs that are coming out on a daily basis. Uh, I looked at the stats once and I was just I'm, I was blown away by the the songs that were published on a daily basis, just Christian songs. Yeah, and so I think. Um, like I said earlier, always on the lookout for mm. good songs that are going to speak into the life of the church.
1: I guess for uh, for our listeners, they might uh, want to know this. Mm. What are some of the like uh, artists or uh, you know mm. uh, groups that you recommend to them? Like yep. uh, for I'm talking about contemporary groups. Um, yep.
2: I'll yeah, I'll throw out some names. Um, yeah. I I think for for him hymn, hymn writers, uh, the Gettys of course, um, Kristen and and Keith Getty, Stuart Townend. You've got Matt Boswell, Matt Popper. Um, uh, Mad Merker they're all writing a lot of excellent songs hymns rich songs but are also contemporary in their style as right. well um, and so, so a great resource for more responsive type songs I would uh, go to, towards hill songs um, elevation worship mm-hmm. um, uh, vertical church band and the uh, Austin Stone there are a lot of songs that aren't necessarily as um um thick theologically mm-hmm. but but definitely have a, a you know the the music is is very captivating and they've they've managed to again marry the music to the lyrics very well in order to evoke certain emotional responses mm-hmm. that are true to the words that you're being that are being sung so those are a few names that I would throw out and um mm-hmm. yeah any church you know that's listening I would really just encourage um worship leaders uh, and and others to be writing their own songs, you know, Mm. how, how can, how is God speaking to your church and, you Mm. know, and, and take that message and share it
0: with your, your church and song. Well, we're just about out of time. Last question I want to ask you, Mm. Aiden, is, you know, as someone who's like heading up um, music, singing, uh, and that kind of worship ministry in a church, how are you trying to kind of grow? What books would you recommend or resources would you recommend to Mm. people? who are trying to kind of help their church sing in a richer and Mm. just more God-glorifying way?
2: Um, A go-to book would be uh, Bob Kaufman, Worship Matters. Fantastic resource for any worship leader who Mm. is also a worship pastor, perhaps leading a team. Okay. Um, Mm. Rich source of material. It's also very practical. If you go online, you'll see worship uh, workshops and intensives that Bob Kaufman does himself. you could even go to the Worship Matters, um, sorry, the Sovereign Grace is the network of churches that he belongs to. And uh, they have God, Worship God Conferences, which have a range of resources, which are right. extremely helpful uh, across mm-hmm. multiple categories. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that that's probably a go-to resource. Mm-hmm. Okay. Outside of that, there, there really is quite a lot to read on the topic of worship. I personally like Zach Hicks's book, uh, The Worship Pastor, okay. which I've mm-hmm. been reading, which I've read recently. I uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, another interesting book is Eugene Peterson, mm. um, which is called, <laughs> it's called Worship God. <laughs> um, fantastic book, just about the vertical and horizontal dimension in worship. And then finally, I'd say D.A. Carson edited a book on called Worship, Adoration, and Action, which has got... A range of um, articles uh, written by people from different denominations, just on worship and what that looks like, and I found that to be really insightful. You wow. know, from charismatic styles to to more de- denominational styles, and and just seeing how they yeah they, they agree to disagree in many of these their views on on worship theology. So I, I definitely recommend those.
0: Mm. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for making the time to come and chat with us today. Um, I know we at RAC are so grateful for you and Nikki and how you lead the ministry, care for the all those involved. I don't know how many people involved in worship <laughs> ministry at RAC was like 100 or something. Oh, or,
2: yeah. 70, 80, <laughs> 80 now, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of people. 18, yeah. But thanks for, for leading that team and oh. uh, just giving us such wonderful worship on Sundays. Mm. And yeah, I, th- I really appreciate how you've sort for us ready to glorify God and to really think about this way we're bringing all these strands together. Be humble, grow. um, And so I trust that you'd be able to encourage our listeners as well. And um, look forward to being able to chat with you again sometime.
3: I hope so. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for having me. Thanks Thanks for coming. Mm